0: You know, that's what I call purpose is like when you can do something you love, when you're really good at it, and when it adds value to a lot of stakeholders, the world at large, you know, meaning the environment. And I want to do something positive for the world, um, myself personally, in order to support myself and then eventually my family and other people. So when you ask yourself what you want to do in your life, if, if whatever you want to do answers all those questions, then that's a pretty good track.
1: Hi. My name is Kara Myers, and welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Each week, I chat with women who have built incredible businesses in the travel and tourism industry. You'll hear their inspirational stories of success. We went from 2,000 a month to about 70, 72,000 a month um, in that span of of nine years. And Struggle. I wish that I could tell you that I pivoted really quickly and like jumped back on my feet, and I I did it and what they learned along the way. Give yourself the grace of knowing that it's not gonna happen overnight and you're gonna make a ton of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And as long as you learn from them and move forward, that's okay. So grab a coffee, hit subscribe, and get ready to learn and feel inspired. Hello, hello, my name is Kara, and welcome back to episode 34 of the Travel Business Lounge, the place where we celebrate and learn from female entrepreneurs in the travel industry. What if the secret to designing great tours and running a super successful travel business all came down to a fairly simple recipe, one that requires a lot of hard work and grit and definitely a lot of passion, but that technically anyone could follow. Well, on today's episode, Lauren Hefferin, founder of Ciclismo Classico, reveals the recipe she continues to follow for success after 33 long years in the business. Lauren is an absolute industry veteran, and I am so honored to have her on the show. She founded Ciclismo Classico way back in 1989 and was actually the first female founder of any cycling tour company. She brings a wealth of knowledge and a lot of personality. We chat about how her business has evolved over the years, why she thinks creativity is key to designing good tours. And of course, she walks us through the recipe that she follows for a successful business. If you're in need of a little motivation to finally launch your own tour company, or if you just like a peek behind the curtain on how Lauren continues to grow her business, then this is the episode for you. Let's dive right in. Here is Lauren Heverin of Ciclismo Classico. All right. Hello, Lauren. Welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Happy to have you here today. Happy to have you, Happy to be here too. Great. and I mean, I'm so honored, really, because you are a, the founder of this incredibly successful business that has been around for years. And I was just looking at your website. You were the first female-founded bike tour company, which is just incredible. So welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a... Yeah, I've been through just about everything, I think. Starting from the old days where there was absolutely no no cell phone, no, no internet. So it's pretty interesting to reflect upon.
1: Yeah. And I mean that's what I want to hear all about, what it was like starting your business back in 1989 and how you've transitioned grown it over the last 30 plus years and you know what you've learned from all that. So I mean, let's wow. start from the beginning. You know, how did you get into travel, into, into cycling, and why did you decide to start your business?
0: Well I've always, I mean, cycling has always been a part of my life. I mean, you know, ever since I was in high school. I mean, it was really something that just, you know, it's almost sort of like I was like I always tell my people I was like the cow, a cowgirl. I mean, I it was sort of meant I was could have meant to be on a bicycle on some level, and um, so I really so most of my you know most of my experience really started as a cyclist, and then I was a bicycle traveler. So um, you know, for me, it was about. On a Saturday, you know, I could find nothing better to do than just, you know, take a long bike ride and pack a lunch, and and along the way, I would always see things and visit things, and that for me, a bicycle is the way to learn about the world. And I just kept doing, you know, as as the um, you know, as the Rumi quote goes, I I went in the direction of what I loved, you know. And i i tell my I tell a lot of people that's you know that's an important thing to think about, you know. Continue to go in the direction of what you love, and that's what I did. And then, as I, um, you know, I would, but I, I, started guiding trips in high school, and then when I got to college, I was doing some guiding, and I was learning how to be a bicycle tour instructor, and I, I went to National Outdoor Leadership School, so I was building upon this, um, you know, repertoire of of bicycle experiences and leadership experiences.
1: Wow, incredible! But I mean, there's there's one thing to, you know, love doing cycle trip yourself, to lead trips for other companies, but to dive in and start your own business is a whole nother world. I mean, how did you go from leading, you know, occasional tours for other people to actually deciding you want to start your own business?
0: Yeah. So I, you know, like I said, I, I, I just loved it. And as I started thinking about what I was going to do for work, you know, I would start at a young age. So at a young age, you know, they say you're, you know, I didn't have a lot of obstacles to entry personally or, or financially. So I, you know, I didn't have a lot to lose essentially. So, you know, I gave it a try, and I. I did work for another company and I, I did put myself out there for the other company to be part of the management and to be more of a, you know, to be more involved, but um, that wasn't meant to be. And so then I said the next best thing, I guess, and it was probably be- better that I started my own company. And I started with a couple of, you know, real, I Im- imagined the, the logo and I imagined all the, you know, the design elements of it. And I just started create. it was really a creative process. You know, you created it, you put it out there, you got, you know, very similar to what we always do is, you know, create something, you put it out there, you see if you get any traction. And then, you know, if you get traction, you move more in that direction. And, and that was really the way that I started to I started with a couple trips in Tuscany. I knew it really well. It was something I knew I did it very well. I loved it. And it, you know, I, I created a way that it could add value to, you know, my life and other people's lives. And that's, you know, that's what I call purpose. Is like when you can do something you love, when you're really good at it, and when it adds value to, a lot of stakeholders, the world at large, you know, meaning the environment. And I want to do something positive for the world, um, myself personally, in order to support myself. And then eventually my family and other people. So when you ask yourself what you want to do in your life, if, if whatever you want to do answers all those questions, then that's a pretty good track. And I, I do that intuitively. And I, I didn't come up with that formula when I was younger. But, you know, and then luckily at that point, at that time, you know, the mid 80s, um, cycling was beginning to take off. Um, and then by the early 90s, um, you know, bicycle travel was, there were, bi- there were a few bicycle touring companies out there so people were familiar with the idea um, and then you know little by little now now I mean there's bicycle tour companies you know all over the place. so it's it's quite a quite a competitive market now and a quite a, quite a saturated market at this point. So it's probably I, th- I would believe it's you know it's harder now it'd be harder now to start and it's probably harder to maintain and also under under the circumstances of the wo- of the world situation. so it's, I'd say it's if I had to say what was more challenging, I would definitely say now versus starting out.
1: Interesting. Cause I mean, yeah, you were absolutely leading edge when it came to, to running cycle tours companies. And it's so in, impressive that you were doing it, you know, you're based in the U S but organizing these trips for around Europe, primarily in Italy. And it seems like you branched out to a few different countries over the years. And now you're in quite a few different places, aren't you? I was just looking at your website. How many destinations do you have now? I mean,
0: oh yeah, we have a lot. We have a lot. We have, you know, we have a lot of European destinations. We have domestic destinations. So yeah, we're, I mean, actually I, I, I'm preferring to kind of keep things smaller because, um, I'd rather be, you know, higher quality and smaller versus too spread too thin.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, so talk to us about how you began to grow your business. So did you start off literally doing everything yourself or when did you start building a team? How did that happen?
0: Um, yeah, you know, I, there's a great book called the e-myth and the e-myth starts up by saying, you know, you're originally the CEO, you're the, you know, the COO and you're the CFO, right? So yeah, originally I just did it all but obviously pretty quickly i realized i couldn't do it all so I, I started out with 100 100 leads probably and they turned into 10 you know 10 customers and then and then every year i would i would go to events i my, my way of building the business was pretty guerrilla as i say um it's it and guerrilla my i mean kind of like the current terminology is for it. it's just you know very inexpensive you know, a way, high touch, inexpensive way to build business. So I did, I did, would do presentations at um, REI stores and I would do the slideshows. So I had a, I had my, my pony show, my traveling pony show, which was and a hundred slides at the slide, slide carousel. Um, I do presentation and that was pretty powerful. I think people that saw it, they were pretty impressed with what I was doing and my, my slides were beautiful. I had, I really picked them car- very carefully. So I had a very nice curated presentation about the company and then uh, people would sign up, you know, and it, and then you know they they would tell their friends and they would tell their friends and it, you know I would say the first ten years I mean we were probably growing you know not at a huge rate but just enough you know and then I added you know I added one employee then two employees and just little by little maybe one one to two employees a year and by the time the end of and the nineties had you know we were probably around 10, 10 employees here in the United States and we had tour guides and so you know we just started it was really a slow build I mean it wasn't at any any kind of accelerated pace and then you know as in the two thousands, of course, you know, early two thousands, and you know, websites and email and ele- digital marketing kind of came of started becoming the way to go, and um, you know, then we went off in that direction, um, but still basing ourselves mostly on our our customer base.
1: And what would you say is your main marketing strategy now? Do you have a lot of return customers, or I would say
0: yeah, return customers is really really what we have going for us is the return customers and their and their referrals.
1: That's interesting. Interesting. And do you use any of those guerrilla marketing strategies from back in the day today? Um, you know, I think
0: they've been transformed. I would say that the guerrilla strategy right now would be, for example, that let's say in the old days we did slideshows and now we're doing zoom shows, you know, so there's, it's really, it's changed the form. It hasn't changed the, the, the what it is, but it's changed how we do it. You know, the digital has allowed, like, we don't, we used to do a 56 page brochure and we don't do that anymore. So our, our website is really, you know, where all of our information is.
1: And you've got a beautiful website. I love the branding. I love the illustrations, the fonts that you use. It's really, really, it gives you a sense of what the brand is all about, which is, um, some brands seem more successful at doing that than others. And yours definitely conveys that really, really clearly.
0: Thank you. you. Yeah. I mean, I studied art. I mean, I've always been a visual artist, Um, not as much now, but I mean, I I do enjoy visual art. Uh, And when I started, I, you know, I did most of the brochure design. I did most of the photography. So, you know, most of what you see had very much, I I really love the art direction of it.
1: And again, going back to just all these changes that you've experienced in your business over the years. I mean, some must have been easier to adapt to than others. Some must have been more like you would have welcomed more so than others. What are some of the biggest challenges you've faced as a business um, in the last 30 years?
0: Wow. Well, there's a lot. I mean, certainly a lot. I mean, certainly the last five years, you know, combined with just the growth, you know, the competitiveness as well as, of course, I would say the last two have been the biggest challenges ever. Um, I would say that. Other challenges include, I mean, every year there's something, you know, whether it's a, whether it's some kind of operational issue that goes on in Italy, I would say uh, transition of employees is always challenging. You know, I really, really, and 34 years is quite a lot, but I would say, I really would say the last couple of years, um, there's nothing quite like that. And there was 9-11, uh, but that, and that gave you a little taste of, of it did give me a taste in 9-11 of, wow, like the travel, I think what that told me, 9-11 was how vulnerable the travel business is which I do believe it's super vulnerable. I think it's one of the most challenging and most vulnerable businesses.
1: Absolutely. And I know a lot of businesses now are experiencing a huge amount of growth just you know the boom back from COVID, everyone was stuck at home for so many years. And now this summer, you're starting to see airports, you know, just full of people, people trying to book things as much as possible. And to be able to fulfill all of these new requests coming in after so many companies losing staff uh, must be a huge challenge.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think the hard, the hard part is as things come back, you know, you, you didn't quite rebuild the infrastructure at the same, you know, as to what it was before. So it's, yeah, there's that, that, that's definitely, I'm, I'm hearing that from a lot of operators that they're just not at the same level as they were yet. They have maybe, you know, they have more customers and they, you know, there's a little more stress in the air. I even think as much as customers are excited at the same time, they're also very concerned. So they're, you know, their stress level is a little higher. So, um. But yeah, so, I mean, our, our goal right now is to rebuild the team and, re- and also new technology. And, you know, that's tough when you've been using a certain kind of technology or a certain kind of process before, and now you have to adopt new, you know, new technologies, new habits, new, you know, so it's, um, I'd say the transition from, you know, the two years off to the two kind of full-blown on is, you know, I would imagine most, most companies are fe- feeling the same thing. Absolutely.
1: And so how many employees do you have today, you know, guides and then people that work uh, behind uh, the like scenes? like a total
0: of like 30, 30, you know, 30, including, no, they're not huge. We're not huge. It's, um, you know, we have full-time staff and then we have people in Italy who are, who are tour leaders.
1: And do you have any tips for speaking specifically about guides, recruiting the right types of guides and keeping them? in the business for a long time? Any strategies there? Um,
0: I mean, tour guide, we look at a tour guide. One, I mean, they have to love cycling and be very passionate about cycling. The passion is a very big denominator, common denominator for us. Um, And then I would say, you know, we're looking for people that have been in some kind of service business, whether they've been teachers, whether they have been uh, and worked in a restaurant, you know, and we're looked or worked in hospitality because that just shows that they understand the hospitality business. I mean, that's a big category, but I mean, the hospitality business has its own, important, you know, priorities, you know what I mean? In terms of, you know, you, you, you have a sense of the customer, you have a sense of customer needs, you understand that things could go wrong. And so the hospitality business, you know, you have an inherently understanding of of a customer and sort of all the things that can go wrong and all the things that go right. So that's, that's something when we look for guides and we look for stamina, you know, personal, physical stamina, because it's really, even though you could be an athlete, you could be a cyclist, that doesn't mean that you'd have a, you'd have the stamina to get up at six o'clock in the morning and, you know, work hard all the way until midnight. So it's, it's, and personality, a lot of charm and personality and outgoingness and and certainly um, we want people to be lifelong learners. If, if our customer base is, is lifelong learners, then our certainly our guides have to have a, have a have that quality as well. It's a tall order <laughs> oh yeah it's a lot it's a lot I mean and I mean they and I think that the kind of people that do really well at that is I would say they're more of a Renaissance person you know they have a lot they might not have one particular strength, but they have a lot of strengths, and they can put the, it, then they put it together really well. Yeah, definitely.
1: Now, one thing that fascinates me about bike tours or cycle tours are just, it's just the operations of it because it's a, it's a completely different kettle of fish. There's so many components that you need to consider. I just wondered if you could speak on that a little bit, how you, you know, developed an operational strategy that was successful and and smooth.
0: Um, Well, I mean, what we, one approach was we did have, Tour guides went from working as tour guides into the more in the operations. So they knew, you know, you, when you know how a trip has to be run, you know the outcome, you know what it's supposed to be, the end game, you know, you build towards that. You know, you you know what you have to do. It's like a it's like a project management. Like every trip that you do is is a bit of a project in itself. So, you know, the person that's doing the operations, you know, they're coming from such a fundamental intuitive sense of how to run a trip that they just that's that's how they run the operations.
1: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And just, and because you operate in quite a few different places, are you organizing and designing the trips all yourself? Or are you working with local businesses, DMCs, that sort of thing uh, to help work out some of those finer details on the ground?
0: No, we work with um, a, one, you know one team on the ground. So okay. we have our, you know, we're, I'm working in collaboration, designing the trips, adding qualities to the trips. That's all in collaboration with our team in Italy.
1: Okay. So they're, they're handling all of that. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. And I mean, so I've, I've read a few things of yours. I've listened to a few podcasts that you've been on and speaking engagements. And I love how you talk about creativity and travel planning and just the, the link between those two, because I completely agree with what you've said, but I wonder if you could yeah speak on that as well.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I um, personally, how I travel, I'm very serendipitous. I, I I would like that people take on that a little bit of that because I think serendipity, approaching things with serendipity, allows you to keep it, you know, keep your your eyes wide open. Um, however, we know that people like they like to have their, you know, they want to have their schedule, they want to have their plan, and I think we we present that to them on a silver platter. However, when people are on the tours, the way that we do it is you know, for example, you know, you might be stopped to fix a flat tire, you might be stopped to get a snack. I mean, so uh, let's say any rest stop, you, you know, as a tour guide, you look around and you say every moment is is a teaching moment, right? So if I'm stopped and everybody's, the group is just hanging out waiting for the, you know, someone to get a flat tire fixed. Well, let's use this moment to learn about whether it's going to be the environment that we're in or the, the, or the town that we're in. So I think travel, um, it's almost like when i always say i'm a photographer and i say you don't really take the picture the picture takes you you know if you allow a place to take you as well as you kind of it's an interchange i feel like that the place you go to if you allow it to influence influence you at any moment from a sensory point of view from a an educational point of view if you're taking it in then you're going to by nature be flexible within it right so i think I don't like to see people that kind of consume travel meaning you know they need you know they have a very linear approach I mean I don't think it's any fault of I think it's just the way that we, tr- we we live in this world but you know I think that travel should be a certain amount of serendipity a certain amount of planning but not so much planning that you end up not allowing anything spontaneous to occur you know you really should allow your the environment like you know an example might be you're on, you know, you're on track to ride 30 miles and the 30 miles has three rest stops. But then all of a sudden on the left-hand side, you know, there's this guy picking, you know, picking wild strawberries or something, this local person. And, um, you know, why not utilize that opportunity? I would to say, hey, you know, I, I would take his picture, for example. I might strike up a conversation with him, for example. I might kind of ask him about where he lives. So, I mean, the places that you go to are not static. You know, you're going to places that are, that are living, breathing places. And so I, I would encourage a person traveling, you know, to utilize those opportunities. Because you're, if you're not, you're just, you know, you're really just pedaling from point A to point B with your head down and not learning anything. And, and that seems to me a waste of time. I mean, you could do that at home on a bike ride, right? But I don't even, I, even at home, you know, I try to really take in what I see and let something happen around me to kind of influence how I um, how I interact with that place. So I think I think travel is sh- super creative. I think it's about being creative.
1: And is that something that you try and encourage your guides to do with your guests? Like do your uh, itineraries allow for that kind of oh, flexibility? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, sure. I mean, you know, if we travel, let's say our, our route is 35 miles and that's over an, an entire day. I mean, we leave at nine o'clock and we, let's say we want to settle in at three. I mean, you really have a lot of time to do that ride. And, and, you know, our, our you know, our guys are fun loving and, they're, and they're, they're, they love having fun and, you know, they, yeah, sure. Of course they've, they've been, many of them have been working for me for working for Chiglismo for an average of, of 12 to 15 years. So they have a lot of experience in that. And then of course you get, what happens is you get you get feedback you get biofeedback you get sort of experiential feedback because when you do behave that way and the customer loves it which they do you know you do it again and again because you realize that the strategy i mean it's experiential learning at its at its simplest i mean there's a there's you know there's classroom learning which is you sit in a classroom and you learn a b c d f, you know e f right but then experiential learning says the experience is what i'm learning from so there's the structure of the trip but then there's all the things that are Happening in between that, or you can't even plan them. I mean, you don't know, like you know, like I said. I mean, there might be the guy who's picking strawberries, and yet one hand there might be a lady who's, you know, she's taking her kids to school or whatever. I mean, all those things are opportunities throughout the day to say, "Hey, let's learn about this place." Right. So, um, yeah, sure, our guides are, you know, they learned it is. It's luckily that's been passed along. I mean, that style has been that, that kind of idea that we're we're an experiential learning company um, is really part of our fiber.
1: That's so interesting and I'm always fascinated by how companies that has, you know sell a package tour you have to you have an obligation to the customer to obviously fulfill certain things that you you know things on the itinerary that you list on the website but also the the people that are working on the road are your eyes and ears and they can you know little things like stopping for strawberries or going into a church or whatever they can have those additions happen on the road, but there might be bigger things that they see and think, Oh, actually for future itineraries in future years, we should maybe incorporate that. But it, it is tricky to, to, to be dynamic as a, as a business. And so how do you go about that?
0: I think it's an attitude really. So it's only tricky if it's, if you want it to be a kind of rigid process, right? So for example, if, if your general objective is I want to make sure that there's a, like our, t- our tours have somewhat of a recipe, right? They have a recipe. So there's, we have music on every tour. We have Italian lessons on every tour. And so if you're, re- it's like when you, when you make a makeup a dish, right? And you have a recipe, but you're a little creative with it. Like maybe at one time you'll add a little more salt or a little less salt. If you don't have tomatoes, you use something else. So, you know, in, on one of our trips, we say, okay, we're going to have music on our tours, right? So it's very general. And then, so it's up to the guide's interpretation. You know, they might all of a sudden, as what happened to me one time, I was at a restaurant right before a trip, in walks in a group of guys from the Cortina choir, and they start, you know, they sit down and I'm the next table next to them. And they're kind of just singing because it just came from practice and they love to sing. And I'm thinking, well, hmm, if they're from Cortina and we're going to Cortina in a few days, if these guys are going to be here, I wonder if I should invite them to come, right? So there you go. I got my music taken care of. It's a beautiful experience. I enjoyed meeting these people. So on, on all these levels, I'm sort of traveling as I'm doing research. I'm being the connector between my customers and a culture you know, uh, and singers, these singers are completely thrilled because we're putting them on a pedestal and, and making their day. And the customers are beyond excitement because they would have never expected that I'm going to bring in the Cortina Choir, you know, after dinner, right? So, so that wasn't planned. I mean, but, you know, but maybe the Cortina Choir would come next year, but probably not. Like, I mean, there's some things that you could say, hey, you know, can you come back next year and you incorporate them into a trip? Other times they're like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to, I'm not going to try to set that one up again. That was like a special magical moment that, but I'm going to probably set, I'm to try to set something else up, so you know it's like you learn you learn to just take those kind of um, they're not really they're not really risks, but they're you know they're calculated approaches. You know what I mean? Somewhat somewhat calculated. So um, I think it's just like this. It's really a recipe thing, and the guides have to know how to cook really well, like with cook with the ingredients <laughs> that they have, and they do. You know what I mean? But if you're not tuned in, you, you yourself to a place, then you really can't offer that to other people.
1: I love that. I love that story of the Cortina Choir. And I love the idea of thinking of it as a recipe and that you need to make little adjustments along the way and having having a, an attitude of being super rigid. You're just preventing yourself from being able to, to explore and, and make the experience better for you and for the, the customers.
0: Right, right. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, the things are, there's more and more ingredients, like as you do an itinerary, you see, you know, like as you do an itinerary, every single time you do it, you know, one year, like our New Hampshire trip, we have a, I literally was bicycling around and I saw these beautiful, colorful, these colorful beekeeping boxes and I didn't know what they were. And I looked them up and come to find out it was a beekeeper. So I, you know, I I called her, I emailed her and, and, you know, next thing we know that she's incorporated on the itinerary, but what if she's not there? Because she isn't. So I said, okay, you know, Suzanne, is there some, is there, are there other beekeepers like you? And, and she says, yes. And I said, well, are they really like you? Are they fun? Are they, <laughs> are they I mean, like, I don't want this. She might give me her. And I. And so they know that they know the expectation of our group, Suzanne does. And so I, when I, when I ask her for a plan B in case she's not there, um, that plan B should be similar.
1: Interesting. And, and that actually brings me to my next question is what is your role in the business today? Do you ever lead the tours? I mean, when did you stop leading the tours is my first question, actually. And then, and more so, what is your role today? Are you still the one developing, designing the tours or what's your role? I, I have
0: people, I mean, I, I think that I've put enough, well, the, the domestic trips, I'm I'm playing a pretty good role in that. But I think the international trips, one, we already have, a, we have a pretty good, lineup of trips. So it's, so the need to reinvent so many tours is it's not that as necessary as making the quality, like going deeper rather than going broader and bigger and more. I think, you know, the, the approach for us is to kind of go deeper on every trip and make every trip, you know, just perfect, you know, like a course that you might take at a university, that one course that like the professor has been running for years, you know, it's solid because, and, and it gets better and better and better. It's sort of like a, you know, it kind of ages well. And then, and I, I mean, I, when I started having kids in 1997, um, that's when I kind of stepped back from guiding. Um, and now I'm, i now I join trips as a kind of a guest or as a photographer. Um, I also have some trips domestically that I go on. Um, if I had my, my desire, I would lead a lot more trips. I really do love, I mean, my, probably my favorite thing of all is, to be on, There's nothing better than being on a bike with a person and, and bicycling with them and pointing out things. And, you know, I would say that my my favorite s- skill set is really sharing. You know, if I was sort of put on this planet to do anything, I think it was to share what I love. Um, and that's what I, you know, and that can, the best way for me to do that is in person. And the best way for me to do that is outside in nature on a bicycle. So I really do need to do it. It's a, it's a strong, it's, and it's not just bicycling and it's not just being with people. It's really the magical mix of, of doing active travel with other people that, that where I shine, where I'm in my
1: zone. That's incredible. And you can just feel your passion when you speak about it. I can imagine how amazing you would be to, to do a oh, trip yeah. with.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like, yeah. I, I remember I was doing a trip in Keene and the, and the, the, um, I was so excited because that's where I grew up and, um, and one of the guests said, you don't like this place, do you? I'm like, they were joking. He's like, yeah, cause I just, I kind of, yeah, I, I like, and our guides are like that too. I mean, it kind of just, it oozes out of us, you know what I mean? And I think that that people really appreciate that because a lot of people, this board is, um, you know, has become in the early days, there were a lot of people cycling that were pretty much beginners and it was pretty basic. And now you have a lot of people that are fairly, if they're new to cycling, they can be fairly intimidated. So I think it's really important that, it would, I, I I treat people if they're if they're really experienced then you know I can I can I can deal with them at that level because I'm a I'm a good cyclist but if they're beginner cyclists I really want them to feel welcome I want them to feel included that's another that's another important characteristic of of the way that I believe that you know, tourism should be done, you know, with a group of people or any group of people. I'm very inclusive. So if there's, if there's 12 people on a trip and there's maybe one person traveling by themselves and, or maybe another person who's brand new to cycling, I wouldn't want anybody else in the group to at all think that, or myself, or heaven forbid myself as a guide should they, they would feel excluded. Like, so, so the idea is that by the end of the trip, after whether it's a six day trip or a 12 day day trip, these 12 people, there's a group dynamic that's really solid between them. And that's, we all we often talk about you know the travel experience and, and the things we see and we do talk about like the joy of traveling with others who like what you do but then there's even one more that's probably not even talked about enough in terms of travel is that the you know a lot of people don't want to do group, group travel because they don't they don't like that group dynamic it gets icky or whatever and there's you know there's insiders and outsiders of a group well that's then that is a failed group i think you can't always have it but i mean the the, the big job of a guy that's Really, the really the the art form is when the guide can kind of when, you know, between the day the trip starts and by the day the trip ends is to with their co-guide and with other members of the group, you know, really gel that trip. So everyone's crying at the end and sharing addresses and, you know, they're staying in touch for years and years. I mean, how much how great is that? Like, you know, that's what says bonded, you know, 12 strangers came together. And at the end of the trip, they're no they're no longer strangers and their lives are somewhat attached. So that, that is a fundamental, I think, important part of travel. I love that. And goop travel. And then, and then the great thing about a bike trip is that, you know, 12 people can travel together, but unlike a walking trip where they're really traveling together because they're all going the same speed on a bike trip, you know, you really have this wonderful mix between, hey, I'm going to go ride for, by myself for a while. or I'm going to ride at the end of the pack or I'm going to ride with so-and-so. The nice thing about a, a bike trip is that you have this sort of in-out flow of people. Like, you know what I mean? And that's a really special, that's, that doesn't happen on any other kind of active travel other than bicycling. So you can be an individualist on a trip, which, you know, which I, I'm kind of an introvert and an extrovert, you know, as I'm an introvert, whereas I love to be, you know, I love to just sort of be quiet and be, be quiet in nature, but then I love to be part of a group, right? So I think that on a bike trip, you can really kind of be, and you can be totally introvert too, or you can be totally an extrovert, but you can also find a nice blend between, between those kind of two things um, on a bike trip. Interesting. And
1: do, so do you, do your trips usually have one guide or, or, or multiple guides? Oh, yeah, them? two
0: guides. We always have two guides.
1: Okay, so would you have a guide kind of say at the end, one at the front, or how do you how do you manage that that well, group the, dynamic?
0: The group is big enough; we have three guides. we usually we have one one person on the road and one person in the van, right? So there's this sort of the person in the van kind of does um you know a hops a hopscotch kind of thing where like they're They're going to the lead, they're going into the back, they're driving back and forth, they're sweeping the route as to, so to speak, they're stopping, they're giving snacks the the, the person on the road is the one that's handling the, um, the personality thing, the, the engagement of the, of the locals, the giving the, you know, kind of providing the magic recipe, as we say, the Italian, Italian lessons or language lessons. So the the person on the road is kind of like the, the frontline instructor and the, and the van is really the support, the, the support of the whole group. And if we have a third guide, then that third guide is at the end.
1: Right. And I'm, I'm just because I love the recipe idea so much. I'm just curious about any other training techniques you have used for your guides. Do you do like a big training at the start of each season or do you kind of yes, how, how does yes. that work?
0: Yeah, we do a training, we do, a, we do an interview process, and then we do a training. And then but a lot of the guides are alumni. So a lot of it's more of a refresher. And then, and then new guides will be put on tours with, with more alumni guides and they'll watch the people in, in progress and they'll watch them in action.
1: Okay, great. This is fantastic. I'm just curious. Oh, I mean, your business has, has accomplished so much in the last 30 years. What do you see for it going forward? What, what do you want? What would you like to see for your business going forward?
0: Uh, I think that just, you know, um, honestly, I think what we're doing, I think we're so well, we're well, so well established and what we do is so well established. I, you know, I think delivery of what we do and doing it better, you know, just tweaking it all the time. It seems to me a good strategy because we, you know, we can, and we'll do, I mean, we'll do new things and we'll do different events. But I think um, having, maintaining, and enhancing the quality as much as possible. I think nowadays, because... Th- things that are so high quality are almost could be even more at risk now being because there's so many there's so many personators and so many f- things that are fake and so many things that are not not correct that i think us staying try and true to our quality you know is very important
1: well you can see that you offer a really quality experience again just from looking at your website i've looked at your social media uh it's just fantastic thank you so much lauren uh if anyone wants to get in touch with you, potentially take one of your tours or uh, just learn more about you. What is the best place for them to find you?
0: Oh yeah, thank you so much. And I and I a couple of things. One, if you're if you're in the, this kind of business and you're you are you're kind of looking to, to get involved with guiding or anything, please send me an email. And, and you know, I, I often try to mentor. I I do love mentoring people. You know, as long as their questions are specific enough and not like to teach me everything. So <laughs> I, I I like I, I'm very happy answering specific questions. I, again, mentoring is a very when you ask the kind of the future for me, there's some future about how I want to interact in this space, which is kind of from a mentoring point of view. And then if you're, if you want to go on a trip, of course, you can just uh, look at our website, Um, We're on Facebook. We are, you know, you could, you could email me, lauren at com. And so those are the kind of the variety of LinkedIn, of course, we're on LinkedIn. So yeah, happy to happy to chat with anybody, set up a, a phone call.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, and best of luck with the business. Thank
0: you. I hope I answered all your questions.
1: You absolutely did. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Great. Thanks.